I want you to imagine a scenario for a moment. There's a man and he lives in a forest. Now, he knows that this specific forest that he lives in is prone to massive and destructive wildfires. Fires that come through and destroy everything in their path, but the place that he lives beautiful and it's coming up on wildfire season. So there's talk around the town and in the streets that wildfires could be on the horizon. And then uh, he, the conditions are also quite well for wildfires right now. And he's heard of these massive wildfires that destroy houses and kill people in the forest. He even knows there's an evacuation plan that if there is a wildfire, that someone from the fire department will come to his house, knock on his door and tell him about the fire. And all he has to do is load up into the car and follow the firefighter um, to safety. Then one day someone shows up at the door and he opens the door and it's someone in official fire department clothing and there's a bit of smell of smoke in the air. And the man says, it's time to evacuate. There's a fire moving quickly through the forest and it will be here at the house in a few minutes. If we leave now, we still have time. We can make it to safety, but we have to leave now. Now, what do you think the man should do? Should he trust the firefighter and go with them and evacuate and go to safety? Or should he say, no, I'm good. I'm going to stay here at my house. I think the answer is, is obvious for us, right? And today, as we look at Romans 10, 14 through 21, we'll see that the gospel message should be proclaimed, heard, and believed. And yet, sadly, much of Israel heard and rejected the message that Paul was proclaiming to them. Let's pray together and then look at the word. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the book of Romans and getting to study who you are and study your faithfulness, God. God, we ask that as we open up your word today, that you would, by your spirit, speak to our hearts, that you would illuminate the truth about who you are and how we are to live in the world. God, we need your spirit's help. So please help us as we look at your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. If I haven't met you, my name's Hunter. I'm one of the elders here. And if it's your first time or you haven't joined in a while, we're in a series on the book of Romans. And the book of Romans is a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Rome. In the last few weeks, we've been studying Romans 9 and 10, where Paul's been arguing that God is faithful to everything that he's promised, even though much of Israel has rejected the gospel. And he's going to continue to argue that in our passage today. Last week, we saw that the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile, and that anyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter where you're from or who you are. This is how you are saved. If you trust in Jesus for your salvation and call on him, you will be saved. What a great uh, bit of news that we got to hear last week. And in the passage today, one of the questions that's asked is, how does this happen? How does someone call on the name of the Lord? So let's first look at Romans 14 through 17, the first bit that Kristen read. I'm going to read 14 through 17 again. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In these verses, Paul gives us four truths about how people call on the name of the Lord. It's really a chain of what has to happen for someone to believe and call on the name of the Lord. And I think it's best that we go through each four parts of the chain. So we'll kind of work backwards from what Paul says. I was helped to see this in a a book called uh, Romans, the greatest letter ever written by Andy Nacelli to kind of see the passage in this way. And the four truths are preachers must be sent. Preachers must preach the message. People must hear the preaching and people must believe in Christ and call on him as Lord. So let's look at the first one. Preachers must be sent. Romans 10, 15. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? I'm asking you guys, how are they to preach unless they are sent? They aren't, right? You guys can say that out loud each time I ask. That's the answer. They aren't, right? So they aren't able to preach unless they are sent. Therefore, preachers must be sent. And here, Paul makes clear in the Greek about the sending that he's referring to those sent by God. Not any uh, preacher proclaiming any message, but a messenger or a preacher that's sent out by God to give a message. And Paul's probably specifically referring to the apostles who were sent out with the gospel. Paul, he's one of these apostles. He's been preaching the gospel for almost 20 years at this point for, to Jews and Gentiles. And he was sent out by God to do this. But we see in the scriptures that God did not only send the apostles with the message of the gospel, right? The reality is that Jesus has sent his whole church into the world with this message. He sent all of his church as proclaimers of the gospel. So we can remember and think back to times that Jesus tells his disciples that they're sent, right? So think about John 20, 21. Jesus talking to his disciples says, peace be with you as the father has sent me. So now I am sending you, right? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the Holy Spirit. And then in first Peter, Peter reminds the church that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the church has been sent as proclaimers of the gospel into the world. So if you're a Christian today, whether you know it or not, you have been sent into the world as a proclaimer. You might might not think of yourself as a preacher, but the reality is you are. So how are they to preach unless they are sent? The, the answer is that they have been. This condition has been met. Throughout history, God has been sending preachers to tell the world who he is. So he sent his Old Testament prophets to proclaim the truth and to pro- prophesy about the Messiah to come. Then the father sent Jesus, God in the flesh, to tell people who he was and die on the cross. Then God sent the apostles with the gospel message out into the world. 
And he's also sent his church into this world with the message. So God is sending preachers. And then Paul asks, but how are they to hear without someone preaching? So preachers must preach the message, right? So what's the answer? How are they to hear without someone preaching? They aren't, right? Same answer, same answer. You guys are shy tonight. That's okay. So they can't hear without preachers preaching. The preachers are sent by God, but they must preach the message, right? The messenger's mission is not accomplished until the message is delivered. And so this really brings up two questions for us. The first one is, what are they to preach? What's their message? What are they proclaiming? Well, Paul tells us at the end of verse 15, this is a famous verse that I think you you remember from this passage. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, right? So the preachers are preaching the good news of the gospel. And what's the good news? Well, we saw last week in Romans 10, 9 through 13, that it's the good news of salvation. It's such a good passage and gospel explanation. I'm just going to read 9 through 13 again. So Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is the message that the preachers are sent to preach, right? The good news of salvation and salvation in Christ alone. But it brings up a a second question, right? So how are they to preach? Well, here in verse 15, Paul is quoting from Isaiah 52, 7. Isaiah 52, 7. And it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So the picture that Isaiah and Paul our painting here is, is quite interesting, right? It's one of beautiful feet. Do the people who bring good news have actual beautiful feet? Well, not literally. In these days, a messenger who's going out over the mountains has to climb over mountains, through deserts, through the night on rocky roads to deliver messages. And they're wearing sandals, right? In these days. And so their feet were worn And they were probably not beautiful in appearance. So why do they say their feet are beautiful? Why does Isaiah and Paul say, how beautiful are their feet? What's the message that they bring, right? The the beautiful feet come from the message that they bring. And it's good news of salvation. And they're speaking this message, right? With words. And they have to vocally proclaim the message. Now that may seem obvious. You might ask, why is he pointing out that they have to use words to bring the message? It's because often we hear things in the church like this quote, preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Have you ever heard that? 
that quote before. No one really knows who says it, but everyone always says it. Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. I like this quote a little better. Uh, It's speaking about this passage. John Piper says, (coughs) sorry, there's no gospel apart from words. Nobody can be saved by watching deeds. And I think that's what this passage teaches. And I hope we see that by the end of our time looking at it. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do good deeds as Christians. The Bible is full of passages exhorting us and commanding us to do good deeds, right? But it does mean for someone to believe the gospel, they must hear it with words. So when Paul says, how are they to hear without someone preaching? He means that the preacher must deliver the message. Now the word here for preach good news in verse 15 is where we get our word evangelize. And so lest you think that this passage only applies to some special class of preachers, like they're the only ones who have beautiful feet. Steve is not the only one in the church with beautiful feet, by the way. But all that bring good news, all that proclaim it, and that should be all of the church. And so if you're a Christian, you should have beautiful feet because you should be bringing good news. So this passage demands that preachers must preach. And the message is the good news of the gospel And the way is by proclaiming that message. But then that that kind of brings us to our third point. People must hear the preaching. So back in verse 14, Paul says, How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? How can they believe a message they haven't heard? They can't, right? (laughs) Yeah, it changed a little bit there. Sorry, Nigel. (laughs) Thanks, bro. Paul answers this question a little more thoroughly in verse 17. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So how are they to believe there? To believe from hearing the word of Christ. Well, what is the word of Christ? It's a message about a God who is the creator of the universe and man who has sinned and disobeyed God. Every one of us have sinned, disobeyed God, and that sin fractures our relationship with God. Yet God sent Jesus to pay for the sins of those who would believe by dying on the cross and being raised again. That's the word of Christ. That's the message. And this is the message that people must hear And it demands to be heard. This last week, I read um, a bit about some of uh, World War II. And I was reading about how some Japanese soldiers were holdouts for quite some years. I'm not sure if you guys have heard these stories. So these soldiers who were serving with the Japanese army in kind of remote locations and were cut off from Uh, for one reason or another, some of them continued to fight for years after the war was over. So this happened on the island of Guam. It happened in the Philippines and some islands in Indonesia. And there's at least five instances where soldiers were fighting for more than 15 years after the war had finished. And one of them, Hiro Onada, held out in the Philippines for 28 years after the war was over, 
until his commanding officer came and told him that the war was over. It's almost hard to believe, right? And why did they continue to fight and hold out? It's because they, they never had a credible message. They never heard that the war was actually over. They weren't able to believe the truth that the war was over until they heard the message, hey, the war's over. And it's tragic, right? 28 years. How much more tragic that people have never heard the good news of the gospel. They've never heard that message that is true. So to believe a message, people must hear it. They must understand it. And so it's no good if a preacher preaches and yet no one hears. If the fireman from the example earlier comes to the door, tells the message of evacuation for the wildfire, yet the person's in the backyard and can't hear him, it does no good. The evacuation message doesn't reach him. And if the preacher stands in an empty room and his message is not heard, his message does no good. So preachers must be sent. They must preach the message and it must get to those who need to hear. And there's a major implication that I hope you see from this passage. No one can be saved apart from hearing the gospel. That is how God saves people. That's how the Bible teaches. And now there's a variety of ways that someone can hear the gospel, understand it, and believe it, right? But they must hear. They can, they can hear it through reading, although usually it takes someone explaining to them. We see that in the, in the scriptures as well. And they can hear through television or the internet. There's all kinds of ways that God uses to get his gospel out there. But people must hear and understand the message of the gospel. So that leads us to the fourth point and really the heart of this passage. What is the response of the hearers? So Paul asks in Romans 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? People must believe in Christ and call on him as Lord. We read last week in Romans 10, 13, for, who, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But to call on Jesus as Lord, Paul asks, how will they call on him if they haven't believed in him? Steve shared with us last week that this calling on the Lord is calling on him in faith and belief. And Paul gives us more insight into that in verse 16. He says, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? What does it mean that Paul, when Paul says, they have not all obeyed the gospel? And I think Paul is specifically talking about Israel here. Many of them have not obeyed the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. Although it's true, true for others as well. And I think by saying many have not obeyed the gospel, Paul's arguing that many have not believed the gospel, right? God has sent them a message and the message says, believe this about the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And yet they've not believed. The proper response, the obedient response is faith. So look at the next verse, verse 17. Paul says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So the word here for faith is the same word that's used in verse 14 to talk about belief. It's the same idea, belief and faith here. 
So we see believe in this passage. We're not talking about a belief in the sense that I believe that this pulpit is really here, right? I do believe that this pulpit is really here, by the way. But I don't have faith outside of trusting that this pulpit is going to hold up my Bible and iPad, right? Maybe it's a little wobbly, so maybe I shouldn't even trust it for that. But the kind of faith that we're talking about here is trust, trusting to save, right? It's, it's not just simply belief, but it's trusting to save. I have faith in Christ. I have trust in him that results in me calling him Lord and trusting him to save me from my sins. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about here. That's the kind of obedience to the gospel that, that Paul is calling for. Yet Paul says here, sadly, not all who hear the message believe. As we've seen in Romans 9 and 10, most of Israel has rejected the gospel at this time. And so Paul tells us in, the, in this section, preachers must be sent. Preachers must preach the message. People must hear the preaching. And people must believe in Christ and call on him as Lord. And it may seem obvious to put this chain together, right? But it's very important for us to grasp these truths as Christians. Because if we believe these truths, then it will absolutely change how we live our lives. If we believe that God sends people with the gospel and that people must hear it and have faith to be saved, it will alter how we live our lives. It will give us an urgency to share the gospel, right? So Carl F.H. Henry said, the gospel is only good news if it gets there in time. And he says this because he believes that must, people must hear the gospel to be saved. And therefore he believes that we must go out and share it urgently. And that's not meant to incite guilt in us, but to help us see reality of what the Bible teaches. So then the next verse is Paul really turns to objections like he's done all along the way. How, how might someone object to what Paul's saying? He wants to leave no stone unturned. And remember what he's trying to do in Romans 9 through 11 is really leave no question of God's faithfulness despite Israel's rejection. That's what he wants us to see. So we're going to see in verses 18 through 21 that Israel has rejected the gospel, but God's faithful. So let's look at verse 18, Romans 10, 18. He says, but I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So Paul's asking, is this chain of salvation just broken because Israel has not heard? Is that the problem? Maybe they just need to hear. Faith comes through hearing the gospel message. Maybe they still need to hear it. But he answers in verse 18, indeed, they have heard. Paul uses a quote here from Psalm 19. It says, their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What does that mean? Their voice has gone out to all the earth. Does that mean that everyone has heard the gospel in the whole world? Is that what Paul's saying? Well, we know that Paul's not saying that. And we know that because later in Romans 15, verse 20, Paul says, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has not already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So Paul wanted to go to Spain to preach the gospel where it had not gone yet. No one had gone to Spain to preach the gospel at that time. 
And so Paul understands that there's still places in his day where the gospel is not gone. And that's true today as well. And I think what Paul means instead by quoting this verse is that the gospel has gone out into the world and that salvation is extended to the Gentiles. As Paul said earlier in Romans 10 verse 12, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. But the gospel has gone out and it has gone out to the places that Jews are living in Paul's day. And he knows this from experience. Remember, he's been preaching this message for over 20 years. And I just want to give us a bit of a specific scene where this has happened, where Paul has seen this. So Acts 13, you don't have to turn there, but we see some of the response that the people of Israel give to the message of the gospel. Paul was in Antioch and he was preaching to a group of Jewish people in the synagogue. And he begins proclaiming the truth about Jesus from the Old Testament. And he speaks directly to them. And it's a great sermon. We can't read the whole thing, but I recommend you to read Acts 13. But he's preaching to them. How do they respond? At first, positively, but then here's how it goes. I'll read verses 44 through 50. You don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city was gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke, spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may be bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited devout women of high standing and leading men of the city and stirred up persecution on Barnabas and drove them out of their district. So Paul's experience firsthand, the Jews hearing the gospel message very clearly and rejecting it. And not just rejecting it, but persecuting the messengers that bring it. So that's why he writes in verse 18, indeed they have heard. Paul's seen this firsthand. And so the problem is not hearing the gospel for Israel, for the majority of them at the time. But Paul isn't arguing instead, they're breaking the link in the chain by rejecting the gospel, by not responding in belief. Then Paul uses a couple of Old Testament quotes to show us how the Old Testament foretold Israel's rejection of the gospel. So let's look at the rest of the passage, 19 through 21. He says in response, but I ask, did Israel not understand? For first Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold to say, I have found those by, I've been found by those who did not seek me. And I've shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hand 
to a disobedient and contrary people. These passages come from both the law and the prophets, Deuteronomy 32, which is Moses writing in Isaiah 65. And both of them deal with Israel's judgment before God and God being gracious to the Gentiles. And Paul is using them here to say that they have been fulfilled in the Gentiles being included, included in the salvation plan and Israel rejecting the gospel. So he's saying this plan was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's why he's asking the question, did Israel not understand? Because it was prophesied in the scriptures. The law and the prophets both testify this. He's not trying to rub it in the face of the Jewish people that they're rejecting the gospel. But I think he does this for two reasons. So first, he's calling them to believe this message. Jewish people who have... have, uh, rejected the gospel. He's pleading with them. If you hold to the scriptures in high regard, then believe the message that they've been telling you all along. As Steve showed last week, the Old Testament and the New Testament are unified. They tell one story and they've been telling one story. And Paul is trying to quote the Old Testament to show us that. He wants Israel to believe this message. Look, at, look back at verse 21, quoting Isaiah Again, he says, but of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hand to a disobedient and contrary people. He wants them to see that all day long, God has been holding out his hand to them. Throughout the the Bible, we continually see God stretch out his hand to his people, despite them being disobedient, right? Offering salvation for them. We see them continue to rebel against against him, And Paul's reminding us that God has been gracious to Israel. He's been constantly offering them salvation. He's given them the law, the prophets, the Messiah, and now he's sending gospel preachers to them. Yet sadly, they're still rejecting it. So he wants them to believe this message. That's his heart. And then he also wants to show God's sovereignty in all of this. Much of what we've been looking at in Romans 9 and 10, as you know, has been focused on God's sovereignty. But this passage today has been mostly focused on man's responsibility. What's man responsible for in this? And here by quoting these Old Testament passages that prophesy to Israel rejecting the Messiah, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the gospel message, Paul's showing that God has been even sovereign over their rejection. It's not a surprise to him, but this was prophesied long before, right? And he's showing us that God's sovereignty and human responsibility really work together, right? So let's zoom back out. Think, think back to the chain that Paul explained in verses 14 through 17. Preachers must be sent. Preachers must preach the message. People must hear the preaching. And people must believe in Christ and call on him as Lord. God has sent messengers to preach. They have preached. The message has been heard, yet the chain was not completed, right? For most of the people of Israel at the time. And what's been missing? It's belief, calling on the name of the Lord in faith. And this is the tragedy that Paul is trying to help the church in Rome and us see today, that God's been faithful, yet the Jewish people have not obeyed the message by responding in faith. And this rejection was even prophesied in the Old Testament. So it may be tempting for us to look at the people of Israel like we might look at the man who doesn't leave his house in the face of the wildfire. 
we might say, wow, ridiculous, guys. You've had thousands and thousands of years of God speaking truth to you, and yet you still reject the message. And that is part of Paul's argument here, right? But, but we also have to understand and see that if it weren't for God's saving grace and opening our eyes to the gospel, this is our story as well, right? The story of rejecting the message. I think as well, God has sent his church to preach the gospel. He sent preachers. And we have to see in this passage that there's a sense of responsibility here, right? We see God's sovereignty, his absolute power and authority throughout Romans. But here we really see human responsibility, right? In, in two people that we'll talk about in just a second. We see that it's, it's one who sent responsibility to preach and the one who hears responsibility to believe and call on the Lord, right? So this passage really leaves us with two types of people that I, I think give us our application from the passage for today. Like what, what do we do with what we're reading here? And it's that there's two types of people. There's preachers and hearers. So if you're here today and you're not yet a believer, maybe you've never heard this message about Jesus before. You're the hearer. And the message is this, all of us have sinned. We've all disobeyed God, me and everyone in this room. We've fractured the relationship between God and us and the penalty for sin is death and hell, sadly. But God, thankfully, moves towards us by sending Jesus, God in the flesh, to die on the cross and raised him again. And whoever believes this message about Jesus and calls on him as Lord can be saved and live forever with him in heaven. What an amazing message. And this passage says to you today, if you're not a believer, that your responsibility to this message is to believe and call on Christ. It demands a response, either one of belief or rejection. And I would urge you to believe because it is the truth. And that may be simple, sound simple to trust in Christ and believe. And it is. The beauty of it is that it is. That doesn't mean that it's easy. And anyone in this room can uh, share with you more about what that means if you've never believed this, if you've never trusted in Christ. But if you're the hearer, if you've never trusted in Christ, that's your responsibility today. Believe this message. And then the second category is preachers. And if you're a Christian today, that, that's your category. That's, that's the response that you have, the responsibility from this passage. And I want to ask you with Paul, how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone telling them? What's the answer? Thanks, Nigel. They can't. And that's, that's the answer for your friends for your neighbors, your family members, your coworkers. And the truth is, is that God has sent you into their lives with the only message of salvation. He sent you with a message about Jesus Christ. And many, many people here in Abu Dhabi have never heard this message. That's the reality. And around the world, so let us, church, be faithful as preachers of the gospel to the people and places where God has sent us, the church. And therefore, let us proclaim the truth together 
that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Let me pray and ask God to help us as we go and do that this week. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for sending your son to die for us sinners. God, you are a gracious God. You have held out your hand, God, to your people. God, we thank you that many of us in the room um, have been blessed by seeing the truth of the gospel and believing it. And I pray if anyone in this room has not believed it, that today would be the day that they put their faith in you. And we pray that you would work by your spirit for us to proclaim this message to those who have never heard it, God. The beautiful message, the glorious message about your son, Jesus, and the salvation that is offered freely in him. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Mm -hmm.